welcome to The Ideas Show, the podcast about ideas that change the world and the people that make them happen. My name is Henry, and in this episode, I was extremely excited to be joined by Dr. Irina Yashin Shaw, a global expert on entrepreneurialism. Irina is the CEO and founder of the Global Entrepreneurs Institute, editor-in-chief of The Entrepreneur magazine, and author of two books, First, Leading in the Innovation Age, and then the book which we focused on in this episode, Entrepreneur. Enjoy the show. Hello, and welcome to The Ideas Show. Today is the first book club episode of the series, and I'm joined by Dr. Irina Yashin Shaw. So thank you very much, Irina, for joining us today. Um, Could we kick things off by just giving a little bit of an overview of what the book is all about? Okay, so the uh, the subtitle of the book, so Intrapreneur, and I'll just hold it up here, How Leaders Ignite Innovation, Break Bureaucracy and Catalyze Change. The book is really a handbook for people who identify as intrapreneurs. And it's to celebrate this new global movement that we're seeing proliferate around the world and to recognize the fact that there is so much talent that and creativity that's trapped within our organizations and currently underutilized and uh, this book is uh, a way of helping to liberate that and get the message out there that organizations need to really identify their entrepreneurs and nurture them and let them work their magic and you know bring their creativity to bear on complex problems yeah, I mean, it's interesting because you, you talk about obviously helping leaders to ignite entrepreneurialism and it also being a handbook for people who identify as entrepreneurs. And that's something I really found when reading it is that it wasn't only refreshing and insightful, but it was very accessible. Obviously, it's a relatively new term. So for anyone listening who isn't too familiar with the term entrepreneur what does it mean to you and how would you say it like differs to entrepreneur and innovation so an intrapreneur is someone who has that enterprising spirit but they work inside an organization or uh, some institution any institution but the key is that they bring that enterprising spirit to work with them and they look for problems to solve and they identify opportunities where others may not see them so these are the people who are the opportunity finders who are the problem solvers who say i think i can make things better or there's a situation that could that could do with some enhancement or here's a much better way that we could do this so entrepreneurs and entrepreneurs do in fact share a lot of similar qualities similar personal qualities where they differ is in their environment so intrapreneurs have to navigate sometimes very complex corporate environments they they can't do whatever they like um, and then the difference between intrapreneur and innovation that's a more subtle nuanced difference so i can tell a story that would illustrate the difference so when i launched my creating intrapreneurs workshop uh, a couple of years ago the very first time i launched it there was an avalanche of enrollments and so when we were in the workshop together i asked people this question i said if i had called this workshop creating innovators and not creating intrapreneurs would you have registered 
and the general consensus was no. And so I said, well, what was it about the word entrepreneurialism that really spoke to you that was not inherent in the word innovation? People felt that the word innovation was one for the organization. So when we talk about innovation, we're talking about the organization's systems, their procedures, their strategic plan, whereas the term intrapreneur really has inherent within it that sense of empowerment on a very personal level. I had noticed a really subtle shift in the way people received the word innovation and and maybe there were lots of reasons for that because you know there's a lot of what is referred to as innovation theater around so that's where a lot of talk about innovation with limited outcomes so we've done our hack we've set up our lab and it's a very kind of finite definition of what is happening versus something that should be seen as a mindset as a way of living as a way of thinking as a way of being and i think that is what the term intrapreneur and intrapreneurship and entrepreneurialism has inherent in it um, which is that sense of this is how i live my life as as an entrepreneur I mean, there's a lot of what you said there, which has currency with what I'm sure many other people have experienced. I think particularly the notion of theatre innovation, that's something we see a lot nowadays. And I think something that you talk a lot about in the book is how leveraging an internal culture of entrepreneurialism within the business is how to unleash effective innovation. And especially in these times of where things are getting more and more disruptive. I think a quote from the book was, the only way an organization will be buoyant in such a fast moving world is if the organization has a critical mass of entrepreneurs within their ranks. So from there, my question would be for these companies who are maybe participating in theater innovation, how would you suggest they get the ball rolling to really enact that culture shift and start instilling a culture of entrepreneurship and bringing the entrepreneurs to light within their own organization? Mm. Um, the fundamental number one consideration is to empower the people in the organization. So for any organization that's wanting to build a culture of entrepreneurialism, sure, there's a lot that can be done, but the fundamentals are number one, identify your entrepreneurs, give them permission to challenge the status quo. So it, it's pointless going, well, we've got an innovation program here, but you know these are all the rules for how we go about it. And fair enough, but, but what we really want is to say, okay, where are our intrapreneurs? Where are these people who have this enterprising mindset and this talent for finding opportunities and this passion for making things better, where are they? And I think sometimes they're hiding in plain sight and they're not always the most obvious people that you would point to. And it's not necessarily the person who has innovation in their title or, you know, the people in the innovation unit. They are sprinkled right throughout the entire organization at all levels. And so number one, find your entrepreneurs and then support them, nurture them, uh, give them a little bit of encouragement. And, and I'm a great advocate for some some learning and development, like teach them the entrepreneurial method, give them 
the support so that they can they can progress their ideas, give them a mentor or a sponsor if they're fairly junior in the organization, look after them, celebrate their wins. So make it all about the people in the organization. Yeah, that's exactly what you're saying is what we're seeing is people are starting to realize more and more that it is the people who have the power. The leader is there to guide as opposed to instruct, I guess. And that's what you're saying is empowering your people is really giving them a sense of ownership. And with that, you get more passion and more effort and thus people really feel they're champions of the business. Well, I was just going to say something that you said just then about about leaders giving entrepreneurs the sense of ownership. I think there's this really interesting fundamental shift. So the days of command and control are so gone. The new role for leaders is more around facilitating development of their people versus making decisions for them and telling them what to do. So uh, in the book, I liken that transition to where leaders are more like talent curators rather than decision makers. The sense of what is a curator, if you think about someone who is a curator for an art gallery, their, their job is to source interesting pieces of art from different areas and then display them in the best possible way within the gallery and place them in a way that really highlights their uniqueness and lights them in a way that will bring out the the best reception so when you know people look at them they can be inspired by it and in a way that's what good leaders do today so they will put people together who will actually complement each other they will give them the opportunities to be their best and then they'll steward them so that their value increases you know just in the way that an art gallery curator might steward you know valuable pieces of art so that's why i think that this notion of a talent curator versus a decision maker is what the new kind of leadership is about really bringing out the best in your people yeah i can i completely agree with that i think it's it's very akin to the idea of a listening leader which is very much what you've just talked about you know talent curators someone who really values the ideas and opinions of their employees and actively wants to develop them you know someone who's really focused on bringing about the talent within the business as a means of driving it forward. And I noticed you said about there's a new kind of refreshed energy internally for businesses and leaders really wanting to facilitate this employee development. So I wondered if you could tell us a little bit more about, say, the external kind of environment and business climate, which is facilitating that need and as you say the inevitable rise of the of entrepreneurs in businesses um so i the the inevitable rise of the entrepreneur i think has been fueled in the external environment by three factors that are creating what we might call a perfect storm almost and the first one is the the necessity for innovation. So it is the innovation imperative. In other words, especially as we're coming out of COVID, there's this global recognition that organizations and businesses that are innovating are going to be likely to to be the the healthiest as they go forward the the second one i'd say would be really the sense of empowerment that is coming to employees these days so it's the rise of the empowered employee where leaders are looking to unleash the talent within their teams because they recognize that that's where the prosperity of the business in the future 
future lies if they can unleash that potential. And so leaders today are much more likely to give opportunities to employees to bring their ideas forward and act on them and nurture them and, and give credit for them and allow people to take ownership of them. And then it's it's also the future of work, the nature of the future of work, where we say we see that, you know, we all know the statistics around how 40% of jobs are going to be lost to automation by the year 2030, which means that individuals need to keep their skill sets really current. So it's about being prepared to be the lifelong learner, being prepared to look after our own professional development, even if the organisation doesn't support it. So all of those things together are really fueling this, this movement of entrepreneurialism. I, I, I completely agree with that. I think something which I loved is people keeping their skill sets very current because you obviously practice what you preach. Obviously, you've dedicated your career and written books on entrepreneurialism, which is a very, well, not very, but it's a relatively new concept. And to some people, it's an unheard of concept. But it's, as we were saying before, it's gaining a kind of a lot of virulence. So was there a moment that led you to be like, wow, this is what I want to dedicate my career to, aside from actually being an entrepreneur? So it wasn't a single moment. It's grown out of an entire career dedicated to education. So I, I, my whole life, if I was to sum up my entire career and my whole raison d'etre and my life's mission and purpose, it would be about helping people to find and unleash their, their potential and their capacities and their talent. So I started my life as a high school teacher. I went on to do a PhD in creative problem solving and then was a a university lecturer and then I started my business. But the common thread through everything is that I have been an educator for my whole life, just in different contexts and in different incarnations and with different kinds of groups. And so the the whole notion of entrepreneurialism probably just grew out of that, which was how do we how do we nurture people so that they can liberate that wonderful potential that is languishing within most people and and entrepreneurialism is absolutely the answer for that you know there's so much capacity that is tied up inside uh, shall I say rigid organizational structures and organizations that don't listen to great ideas in fact Clay Shirky wrote a book called Cognitive Surplus and he, he posited the idea that if we could tap into this cognitive surplus globally we could solve the world's problems i feel like there was a lot to um get out of that so i'd say initially something which i think was really interesting is that you spent a lot of your life in education and for a lot of these leaders their role is as educators as you said you've dedicated your life to helping people to unleash their potential that lives within them and as you said that's how a leader can really allow their own business to flourish is by dedicating their time to really unleashing and igniting the potential of their employees, which is a really great analogy to draw. We're going to take a short break here and look at one of our ideas that changed the world. In this episode, we have a look at one of my favourite examples of entrepreneurialism in action and a product that has been nothing short of essential for me during lockdown, Sony's PlayStation. 
The PlayStation has become a global phenomenon, but it faced a ton of resistance at first, all from within Sony. In the late 80s, Sony junior staff member Ken Kutaragi was tinkering with his daughter's Nintendo when he had a brainwave. He went to his bosses with the idea of creating a new console for Sony more powerful than anything on the market. They didn't like it. Sony didn't do gaming, and many thought the whole computer entertainment thing was just a fad. Refusing to give up, Kutaragi eventually got his idea heard by Sony CEO Norio Oga, who saw the potential and kicked off a joint venture with Nintendo. Eventually, the partnership with Nintendo broke down due to licensing disagreements, but Sony continued to develop their own console. The PlayStation was launched in 1994 and has sold over half a billion units since. Ken Kutaragi went on to become chairman and CEO of Sony Computer Entertainment, and no one at Sony looks down on gaming anymore. I love that story. I think the fact that Kutaragi became Sony's CEO too really caps it all off. Now we'll rejoin the conversation with Irina as we start to consider the notion of disruptive innovation and the role of entrepreneurialism in a rapidly changing world. I guess that brings us on to the aspect of disruptive innovation and the idea of disruptive innovation. And there's a really interesting part in your book where you mentioned that the term disruptive innovation has become a bit lost from its original meaning. It's key to recognize that these are becoming buzzwords for businesses to use and they can very much mask actuality of what's happening as we spoke about before, theater innovation. And I think that's why something like the term entrepreneurship something which is relatively new, it's quite refreshing, and it sparks intrigue and interest in a lot of people. So for, for the many millions who will be listening at home, um, there'll be, there may be people sitting and wondering, you know, we've spoken about what entrepreneurship means. And you speak a lot about this in your book, but how would you suggest the, the very initial stages they go about as identifying themselves as an entrepreneur and what they can do to maybe facilitate their growth as an entrepreneur? So the first step would be to actually recognize that you want to be one it's not for everyone some people actually find it very exhausting but then entrepreneurs just can't help themselves they'll be the ones going hmm okay why have we done it this way for so long oh no just because this is the way it's always been done is not a satisfactory answer for me and then i would say another step early on would be to build some skills in this area read everything that you can get your hands on there's so much available for people that's very affordable that uh, we can get our hands on now that we can upskill ourselves very easily and don't depend on the organization to do it for you of course that would be nice but i'm a big believer in people taking charge of their own learning their own professional development and ask the organization by all means but if the answer is no just do it anyway so be that hungry person who just is just immersed in the growth mindset and is constantly looking to step out of the comfort zone and expand the skill set and the mindset something else that entrepreneurs can do especially emerging and aspiring entrepreneurs is to be really curious about a lot of different things 
So look for ways of crossing boundaries outside of your existing area of expertise. Be the classic, what's referred to as the T-shaped worker, someone who's got the deep understanding of a field, but also has a, a nodding acquaintance and some insights into multiple different fields, because that's much more likely to enable you to be a boundary crosser, you know, and you're much more likely to be a disruptive innovator if you're a boundary crosser. You know, you can mix and match information from disparate and diverse fields of knowledge and disciplines and come up with new things uh, as a result of the expanded vocabulary that you have, your mental vocabulary, your cognitive vocabulary that gives you the opportunity to come up with more diverse ideas. So there are a few ways that entrepreneurs can can bud. Yeah, I think that's fantastic advice for anyone listening who is trying to unleash their entrepreneurialism. And I feel as though I should also add that I, I would personally say that the first step should be join the Global Entrepreneurs Institute, get the Entrepreneur magazine and read Entrepreneur. They are, I found, especially the book, I found, I was like, oh my, I'm an entrepreneur. And it's really, it's quite like, you realize what stage you're at and there's a lot of information of what you can do to really unleash that and really set the ball rolling to ensure that you are unleashing your potential. It's very actually educational, which fits very well with your path. So I think now I'll ask a couple of quick fire questions. And first and foremost, slightly more off topic, but Growing up, did you have a dream job? And if so, what was it? Okay, so when I was six years old, I wanted to be an astronaut. That was my first dream job. And then very quickly after that, I wanted to be a teacher. When I think my mother knew I was destined to be a teacher because we had, uh, when I was probably about seven years old, and uh, we had gone to visit one of my mum's cousins in the country who happened to be the principal of the school. And he was giving us a tour very proudly of his school. And we walked past a classroom of grade oneers and there wasn't a teacher in the classroom for some unknown reason. And I just let the adults walk on ahead and I sneaked into the classroom and started, goodness knows what, but I started teaching and pretending and role-playing that I was the teacher, you know, in front of this classroom full of children who were looking at me really in a very quizzical way. What's happening here? Why is she doing this? And I, I always knew from that moment that I was always going to be a teacher. So it is my dream job and I have lived my dream because that's been my mission and purpose and I've done it my whole life. That's, that's an amazing story and I think it, it's amazing that you are living your dream life and you're doing what you've wanted to do shame about not being an astronaut but you're still reaching the stars in other ways very, very kind Henry it's been <laughs> delightful to talk with you it's been yeah. delightful to talk to you as well um okay so next so we touched on this earlier actually this is the next quick fire question we at Subway 6 have a term listening leader I was going to ask who would you say is a prime example of a listening leader? I'm very fortunate to work with some extraordinary leaders. So let's see, one leader that comes to mind very quickly, who is a very senior leader, she's remarkable, utterly remarkable. She has created this culture of ambition, this culture of joy, I'd even say joy, within a, a wide region of healthcare facilities because she takes the time to talk to 
the people in her region and she makes time to talk to them and you know when they come back from leave she's there with a bunch of flowers to welcome them back and she sits down and says tell me what's happening with you and where are you up to what are your challenges how can I help what do you need she just listens to her people and they love her they don't just turn up to work because it's their job. They turn up because they actually want to work with her and for her. And collectively, they've created this amazing culture that has been utterly transformative. I mean, I think you've hit the nail on the head there as what it means to be a listening leader, that it goes beyond just not talking and listening. And it sounds that, for example, the uh, the example that you just gave, it shows the impact that enacting that style of leadership can have on a business and on the employees and it really as we've spoken about it unleashes potential and passion and ignites I guess what it, entrepreneurship through you know the the joy that you have through work out of, of absolute respect and love for your leader yes uh, yeah which- and, and I've, I've recently done some coaching sessions with each of the people in the program with me and just unanimously they all say we feel so privileged to work here. I mean, wouldn't that be just something that most leaders around the world would go, wow, I wish I wish everyone who worked with me said that about working here. You know, I feel so privileged and fortunate to work here. You know, it's just such a testament to her qualities. Well, I'm sure everyone that you work with says exactly the same. I would. I think you, you definitely and that them qualities and but yeah I think it really does have an impact I think that is very special okay my final quick fire question is for any current or budding entrepreneurs if you had to give one piece of advice or a motto to help them what would it be okay so this might sound a bit trite so I think it if it was to be just one thing I would say find what you're passionate about and do that that's a very simple answer to so many things that i could have said but if you're passionate about what you're doing then life is joyful life is fulfilling and you know we feel like we have brought our best selves and our whole selves to our work So that's why I would say find your passion. And I think that's what intrapreneurs do, even if their core role may not be in completely accordance with, may not be completely in accord with what their passion is, they will find ways of what we'll say job crafting, so to speak, where they will find the elements of their job that do light them up and they will foreground those and they'll put what they can into that so somewhere along the line we need to have that passion in something that we do within our work and even if it's not a 24 7 kind of a passion as long as there's enough of it in what we do to light us up then life is worth living 100 percent. i think that's absolutely perfect piece of advice it's a motto i try and live my life by and it's something you obviously live your life by I think you're the shining example of that as you're literally living the dream you found the passion and you're living it so thank you so much I think that's probably a perfect place to end it so I'd like to say thank you so much for joining us today it's it's been a really wonderful conversation and you've shared a lot of incredible insights and tips just brilliant conversation for me 
And thank you, Henry. Can I just say to you and to all the Sideways 6 team, what a privilege it's been to be interviewed and to have this wonderful conversation with you. And I want to say thank you from the bottom of my heart for this absolutely magnificent experience. Thank you so much. Okay, it's 6.30 here. I'm going to go and have a glass of wine or maybe a cocktail because <laughs> I feel well, like I've earned it. <laughs> very well deserved. It's 8.20 here, so I'm probably a bit early for a glass of wine or a cocktail. Maybe okay. I can get away with a beer. No. <laughs> 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 that means a lot. Thank you. Well, it's certainly been our pleasure and my personal pleasure to be able to talk to you today. So that's it for this episode. I would like to thank Irina for joining us on the Ideas Show and sharing some of her tips, tricks and knowledge all around entrepreneurship and entrepreneurialism. If you have any ideas of books you would like us to review or people you would like us to interview, then please drop us an email to podcast at theideasshow.com. Thank you very much and we'll see you next time.